We're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit, and I want us to think this morning about the Holy Spirit's power in us, through us, for witnessing. We've looked at how the Holy Spirit um, gives us new birth. We must be born again by the Spirit of God. We've looked at the Spirit, uh, a lot of times we look at spiritual gifts and how they're used for us. We think about spiritual growth, our sanctification by the Spirit. A lot of times we we just skip over or miss or don't really focus on the Holy Spirit's power in us for witnessing. And how about this for a New Year's resolution? <clears throat> as, I, as, we th- as I was thinking about New Year's resolutions, how about a resolution that's not about us? It's not about how much we weigh or eat or drink or smoke or whatever. It's not even about our devotions reading the Bible and prayer and church. How about a a New Year's resolution that's about others, focused on other people, about asking God, Lord, Lord, my resolve is that you would use me for others this year, that I would have a ministry to someone beyond myself. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. He gives us power to minister to others. So it's a, it's a great time of year to think about your focus on others. And, and really, I think, as I was evaluating my own life, that if I don't have some resolve of ministry to others, I've lost my vision. I've lost my mission in life. I'm not here on this earth just for me that God has put me here as an instrument of His to minister to others. So think and and examine your own life this morning, how the Holy Spirit might want to use you in ministry to others. I've had uh, people, you may not have had this, it it reminds me of the story of of, of Cornelius in the Bible where um, he has this vision, he asked... uh, his servants to go get Peter and bring him back. Says, I need to hear from God. I, I've had people just literally walk in my office here at church several, on several different occasions. People I didn't know, never met. I've also had people in the congregation who just show up. And they show up and they say, I need to talk to the, to the preacher. I say, okay, I'm the, I'm the preacher. What do you need to talk about? And this is when I know God's doing something. Uh, they say, I, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You came all the way here to talk to me, and there's no agenda? No agenda. And so it, it's like that story in the Bible with Cornelia. Oh, except God didn't have to send down animals on a sheet for me. It's like, David, your job is to share Christ with other people. So I just tell people when they show up like that, Oh, well, I know what the agenda is. Come on in. Let's talk. The agenda is you're here. You sought out a preacher. You know preacher has the message of God. Sit down. Let me tell you the message of God. Let me give you the good news. And as I unfold that message to them, it's just it's been marvelous to see God work through the message. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. They hear it, and they're saved. They're changed. And how exciting that is to be 
used as an instrument of God. Now, I've seen that happen in my life four or five times, like I said, just out of the blue. And having understood that and seen that occur, to capitalize on it and turn it into everyday living. This is how you would do it, is just on other occasions say, have you noticed to anybody in your life, have you noticed how God, I mean, have you noticed through my prayers, through my conduct, that my life's different? And if they say, yeah, I have. Or would you be interested in hearing about that? That's simple witness. You're declaring what God has done. They visibly have seen it. You're just telling people what God has done. And then watch the Spirit work through that testimony, through you relaying to them what God has obviously done. You don't need any training for that. You experienced it. You're just sharing an experience, a life change, what God has done in your life. I want you to see some examples of that in Scripture and uh, Scripture for that. And, and understand that's God's normal way of growing His church and using you and me. Look at Luke. Let's start there. Luke 24, verse 49. Here is Jesus' command to the disciples. He's spent three years with them. He's about to ascend uh, and leave them. This is his last message to them. Luke 24, verse 49. He says, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So his last command is, wait for it. Wait for it. Just wait for it. I'm going to leave, and I want you to wait to be filled with the Spirit. And when you are filled with the Spirit, stay right here in the city of Jerusalem. Then you're going to be able to be my witnesses. And they're going to be able to be witnesses of God in ways that they could not have been prior to waiting for the Spirit, prior to Christ ascending into heaven. I want to kind of get a, a glimpse of that. Turn now to John 14. John 14, verse 16. He says this promised one is this. John 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper. So Christ is going. You're going to get the Spirit. He will be with you forever. You won't ever lose Him. That is the Spirit of truth. Catch this phrase, whom the world cannot receive. Non-Christians don't have the Spirit. You are different than them. They ought to be able to see that difference. Because it did, it goes on, the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So we're going to receive the Spirit. We get the Spirit. Verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So this experience you have with Christ, Holy Spirit doesn't let you forget it. He teaches it to you so that you can share it with others. And then go to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, Acts 1. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. We have received this power through the Holy Spirit to be God's witnesses. The Holy Spirit didn't come upon the people in the Old Testament the same way. The Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. The Old Testament believer had power. I wanted to see we've got different power. They had power. They had power for miracles. They had power for Christian growth. Um, they had power for, for prayer. Take prayer, for example. You remember uh, the prayer of Daniel, that the lions wouldn't eat him up. That's pretty good praying. You remember the prayer of, uh, of Elijah. He prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. didn't rain for three and a half years. There, there are saints in the Old Testament who had power in their prayers. Effectual prayer was, was, was crucial to the kingdom of God then as now. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon us for power in prayer. They had power in the Old Testament for miracles. I'm not talking about power for miracles. You remember some of the miracles of Moses or Joshua. They could walk across rivers on dry land. That's fairly miraculous. Uh, power, the, the, the miracles of Elijah or Elisha, just abundant. So they had powers for miracles in the Old Testament, had powers for prayer, had powers for Christian growth and to avoid temptations. You remember Joseph um, with Potiphar's wife, the, the, the richest, prettiest girl going, wants to uh, go to bed with him. He says, no, 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 I don't think so. That's power for holiness. Uh, so you had all that in the Old Testament. He says, I want you to wait for power. What are we talking about? It's a power to be my witnesses. And it's a power that's different from the Old Testament. Why? Because in the Old Testament, they didn't have Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. Now that we have those things, so as we share the life of God in us, we can say it, it really, it's all about Christ dying for us. He was buried for us. He was raised for us. He has ascended to the throne on high. He is our king, our lord, our boss, our master. We're under his management, under his commands. So we have power now in the message that we didn't have before. The, 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 the message of Christ work in and through us. He wants us to be witnesses of that. 39 times in the book of Acts, you have this word witnesses, and they witnessed, or they were my witnesses. Let me give you a few examples. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 32. Acts 2, verse 32. I want you to just notice it's just, it just seems simple, uh, really. Acts 2, verse 32. This Jesus, of course, this is Peter preaching, but he mentions this kind of like, and, and, as you would know, verse 32, this Jesus God raised up again, and catch this phrase, to which we are all witnesses. And he's even talking to the people that's about to get saved there. He says, you were here. You saw it. The experience that I'm relaying this message is something we are witnesses to. That's what he's asking us to be, just be able to, to not lie, give a testimony 
of what's happened. Christ died, was buried, was raised in the first century. We saw that. We're witnesses of that. Look at chapter 3, verse 15. He says, But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. We're just, we're just telling people the facts. Look at chapter 10, uh, verse 39. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. It's not something we must be witnesses. We just are witnesses. He has made us to be firsthand uh, truth-tellers of the events. Look at chapter 22, verse 15. It says, You will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. You pick up that same language in 1 John chapter 1, the first four verses. John says, who walked and talked with Jesus, he says, All I am doing is telling you what I have seen and heard. We call that being a witness. Uh, when you are a witness for Christ, that's all you do. You just share with someone else what you have seen and heard of Jesus. That's your witness. You're just telling that your life has been changed. Um, it's a simple witness. You don't find commands in the Scripture to do witnessing. You don't, it, you don't find a command, go out two by two, so to speak, like Jesus sent out disciples. You don't see him command us that. He says, you are now witnesses. You've received power from on high by the Holy Spirit. You don't find commands to, to have an event service and have an altar call and all those things. God's program is making us witnesses. And we sometimes miss that. We don't even focus on that. We, we think it needs to be something the preacher does at a church service. And we miss the power the Holy Spirit has given us as believers to be witnesses. So let's think about it. That power is radical. Look at John chapter 14. Verse 12, he describes this power as a power that's greater than what was demonstrated through Jesus when he was on earth. That's pretty significant. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 12, says, Truly, truly, and that's always like, you, you would probably not even believe this, but truly, truly, I mean, this is true. He says, I say to you that he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And you say, wait, wait, I can't believe that. That's why he started it the way he did. How could we possibly do greater works than Jesus? You know, you just immediately begin to think, no, we don't do greater than Jesus. You just don't do that. Jesus is the greatest, so there's no way we can one-up him. And yet it's Jesus who is talking. Jesus says, yeah, 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 you will. Truly, truly, 
This is the plan. This is the program. I have designed it myself. You will do something I'm not going to do. You're going to do it. And it's going to be greater than what I've done. Well, what could that possibly be? I mean, I don't know anybody in this room who's done greater miracles, prayed greater prayers, uh, had greater purity. I mean, those things Old Testament folks could do, we can do somewhat, but not greater than Jesus. Well, the context tells us. Look at verse 10 and 11. It says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So he starts off says, Don't you get the fact that God the Father and God the Son are one? We're one God, same in substance, equal in power and glory. He's talking about the greatness of God here. You should get that. Then he says, the words, and we're going to come back to words, circle that. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work, circle that. You would have expected to see Father and Son are one. He says, now, the words I speak, I speak as the words of God the Father. That would seem consistent because we're one. The words that come out of my mouth are actually the words that are flowing from God the Father. But he switches the terms. The words that are coming out of my mouth are actually the works of God the Father. Words are works. You're going to do greater works. He's using his words here in the context of these words that I'm speaking are, are words that are works from the Father. We are one. He wants me to say what I'm saying. He's working it so that I say what I'm saying. And you're going to say something that's going to be even greater works. Greater works. I'm going to put in you greater works or words. You're getting to, you begin to see the flow. You're my witnesses. And it's these greater words that are going to come from us uh, in contrast to these works of the Father, the words that flew, that came out of Christ. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Um, and then he says, truly, truly, that verse that we've just looked at, these greater works you and I are going to do. It's not miracles. Matter of fact, miracles are seen here in this context as the lesser works. Uh, the greater works are the words, are the witness that comes from us. Um, miracles don't convert people. Faith comes by hearing the word, not by seeing miracles. So it's much greater to have the words of God than to have the miracles of God. And God has given us the words, which are works, which are greater works. Why? Because they lead to conversion. Look at John chapter 5. Here's an example of um, some of the works. John 5, verse 20. It says, The Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself is doing. 
And the Father will show greater works than these, so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He does not honor the Son, uh, does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Um, that's great work. When you hear the word of God and you're converted, you're changed. Jesus says, you think these miracles are great works. Behold, you're going to see greater works. You're going to see life's changed as they hear the word of God. He knew we were going to see that. He planned for us to see that. Those were his greater works and works he was going to give to us. Now, back in John 14, I want you to see the uh, key phrase here that gets us there. John uh, 14, uh, the greater works passage, verse 12. Notice when these greater works occur. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, so he's talking to Christians, the Christians, the believers. He will do also, what are these works? He's sharing words, the words of God. He will share these, and he will do, and notice the last phrase, because I go to the Father. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. I've got to die, got to be buried, got to resurrect, I've got to go to the Father. Because I ascend, sit on the throne, you will do greater works. Words will be shared through you and me in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lives will be changed. How many lives did Jesus see change in his preaching ministry? Not nearly as much as the church sees today. Our works are greater works. Um. Because Christ went to the Father. That's the program. That's the plan to use us as his witnesses of his finished work. His work was to die, be buried, resurrect, ascend. When it was finished, our ministry begins. Um, we don't know how many people... Uh, believed in Christ, death, burial, resurrection, you know, before he left and ascended into the heavens. We know you've got the 11 disciples. Judas fell away. You know you got 500 people that he, he met with at one time after the resurrection. You've got a few. We don't know that there's much more than that. But he says, wait for this power. Wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And... As soon as the Holy Spirit came, they shared their experiences. How many people got saved that day? 3,000 at Pentecost. Greater works like that. As soon as they spoke, says, you know, we are witnesses of Christ's death, burial, resurrection. 
his ascension. It, it changed our life, radically redirected us. We're under his management. We follow his commands. We pray to him now. We are different. That's all we're saying. And, and, and when they said that, and, and, and who are you different? Who are you praying to? You know, the same person you crucified. That's all they said. And they said, well, what must we do? God's changing us. Repent. Believe. Be baptized. Just as he directed us. And, and that, that happened. 3,000 souls saved. 5,000 the next time they're witnesses. Conservative estimates say that about 78,000 people come to Christ every day in the world. That's pretty great works. Pretty awesome works. God has always sustained and built his church. I don't know how many people die every day, but we don't have to worry about that. We, we, we see the church continues to flourish. These 3,000 that were saved at Pentecost, they went home to every nation, tribe, and tongue that, that you know, they were gathered for that purpose in, in Jerusalem. They, they spread back. They said, you know, funny thing happened while I was in Jerusalem. I was changed. They just shared a testimony of what happened to them. And 78,000 folks start getting saved on a daily basis. You didn't need some special event or program. God already had the program. And that is to use us who are His, simply sharing what we've experienced by Him. And the church grows and grows, and it's greater works than you ever saw during the time of Christ. What do we need to do? What's our part? Notice, stay in the same path. John 14, we just finished verse 12. Verse 13, our part. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Stop and think about the context here. You're going to do greater works. Says, pray about it. Pray for it. What are you praying for? God, let me, let me, let me do these greater works. And if I do them, what will be the fruit of it? The Son. The Father will be glorified in the Son. The Father who started these works, words that came out of Jesus' mouth, He will get glorified through Christ as you and I pray. We're going to be effective witnesses for him. The first thing we do is we pray. We ask God, use me. I'm available. Use me to be a witness. Second thing we do, verse 14, excuse me, verse 15. If you love me, you will, what? Say with me, keep my commandments. Can't believe the number of folks who don't think commandments are important. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What does obedience to the Ten Commandments do for us? It changes our conduct. It changes our conduct. And if your behavior changes, is that not observable? First commandment, 
have no other gods before you than the one true God of the Bible. If you start, I mean, you've never done this before in your life. All of a sudden you say a fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I'm going to keep the first commandment by keeping the fourth commandment. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship. There's going to be no other God but the true God in my life. Are people not going to notice that? Only 20% 20 of the Andersonians go to church. So if if you're one of the 20%, that means 80% of Anderson is watching you. Do they not see that you're different? That you get up every Sunday morning, same time, show up, same place. That's not the majority. You're different. It changes your conduct because you're keeping the first and fourth commandment. Your speech is different. Second, third commandment, you're not idolatrous you're not blasphemous when they talk to you they see a difference and then you you can go through all the commandments the fifth commandment you're you're honoring father and mother you your home life is so respectful uh, you're you're not interested in, in in being murderous even with your tongue the sixth commandment, seventh commandment, you're not interested in adultery in this sexual free society that's cultivating um, such sexual freedom apart from any restrictions that God might want in place. Um, so you go through this and, and people begin to observe. What are you doing? What makes you good at being a witness? Pray, obey. And then there's one more. Depend, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. You, you just depend on the Holy Spirit to do the rest. So really, we, if that's a given, you don't have but two things to do. Pray and obey. I talked about it last week. One of the obvious things that's in a Christian's life is we're much in prayer. We're much in God's Word. We want to know the commands and keep them. Because if you love Him, you keep His words. Why, do, why, why, why must we keep His words? Because that's what we witness with. We use His words. We communicate them. We want to communicate them faithfully. We pray, we're in the Word, and we love the church. Those three things we talked about last year. Loving one another, fellow witnesses. I don't know if that's a word, but it sounded good. Uh, we're on the same team. We love what Christ loves. We're, we're all being built up. We're all being filled uh, by the same God. And you see it here again. What's going to make us effective in witnessing? You don't have to go to any program. You don't have to take any class. You pray, and you keep His commandments. And when you do that, people begin to say, you know, you're different. Well, you know, yes, that's true, I am. I guess you've seen my conduct, you've seen my behavior, or you've heard me pray. You know I have a personal, saved relationship with God on high. Because He has ascended, He's changed me. And I would be glad to share that experience with you if you're interested. That's what it means to be a witness. That's radical power, and that's what we saw demonstrated in the, in, in, in the book of Acts. Look at Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 18 through 20. Acts 4, 18 through 20, kind of the first 
experience of this. Peter and John had been arrested for preaching. There were disciples who were preachers, and the, the, the court decided this is you know, what they needed to do. They summoned them, verse 18. When they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's an impossibility. Asking us when somebody says, why are you different? Asking us not to answer that question. It's like asking a fish not to swim. That... That's just ridiculous. Why do you even ask somebody that? Asking them to deny who they are. Asking them to deny their own nature. That would be impossible. We can't do that. We are witnesses. We must be witnesses because any other option would be a lie. We, We have to have the freedom to tell what has happened to us. If you don't like that, you can lock us up. You're the judge. But we can't deny who we are. That would just simply be impossible. It must happen. And that's what happened. And we've got help to do that. The Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit never leaves us. The Holy Spirit comforts us in all of that so that we can be the witnesses God has made us to be. Um, that's pretty exciting. Take, take, take some time just to thank God for that. God, I'm so thankful that I am a witness of the greatest work on earth. I am one who's been changed. I am one who's been chosen of God. I am one who's been loved of God. I mean, that is so huge, so awesome. I praise you. I adore you. I'm grateful that I am one of those. Witnessing is not something I have to be all frantically and anxious about doing. It's just something I am. I am a witness. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a car wreck or a train wreck. It's a head-on collision. I ran in, you know, one day I ran in to God head-on and saw that I had offended him, and I was on the road to hell, and I was going to be squashed. And Christ stepped in and, and spared me, redeemed me, changed me, loved me. It's pretty cool, isn't it? And that's all we do is share the news that one day God invaded my life and showed me it was all about Jesus and not about me. And that's, I know that's radical, But that's what happened. I can't deny it. It, I'm different. I love his commands. I love his word. And I love talking to him. We call it prayer. But I love it. I love talking to him. He talks to me through his word. It's personal. And it's wonderful. Uh, And we just leave it like that. The Holy Spirit does the rest. 
We saw already the Holy, you must be born again by the Spirit, not by you, not by me. It's a spiritual thing called regeneration. It's not something we do. Um, well, what do we do? We pray, we obey. It's pretty simple. Uh, think about who we should share this witness with. I gave you a little uh, outline. I call it your friends. You all got friends. And I just want you to stop and think for, did I put like five spots there? I thought about my top five this morning, and it was so easy. I said, five's not enough. But what's a friend? A friend is a friend, a relative, a neighbor, an acquaintance. We, we, we've all got those people. If, if I had a better acronym, I wouldn't use friend. I, I, I'd put, well, instead of friend, I, I want to put family first. I want to love my family first. Do you have any non-Christian family members? Do you have any non-Christian kids? It's easy to put them on the list. You have a, a relationship with them. They, in other words, nobody should go on the list that can't observe your conduct and your prayers. You are a witness because you've been changed. If you haven't been changed, don't do witnessing. You are not a witness. If you don't love God, you don't love His commands, you are not a witness. So many people out there doing it, and they, the, the society says, you're a hypocrite. Exactly. Because you haven't been changed. But if you've been changed... There are people around you. Your family members should be able to see it. Your neighbors probably are going to see it. Your friends, they're going to see it. And some of your acquaintances, people that you just kind of know, but they're, you're at work with them or you pass by them week after week, they're probably going to see it too. And so that's your sphere of ministry. That's the people you come in contact with. You don't have to go to any stranger. This is how God grows His church. He takes your sphere of ministry, and you're the witness to that sphere. And you become a stronger witness, not by getting more proficient with words, but by prayer and conduct. People begin to ask for the hope within you. Why are you different? And you are a witness. You just don't lie at that point. Well, the reason I'm different is because one day I was invaded. One day I was radically transformed. One day God came to me. And I'll be glad to share that with you. It's, it's, it's wonderful. My life has been better ever since. And, um, you know, you don't have to blow them away. Say, by the way, I did greater works than Jesus. You, you don't have to share any of that because they won't get it. But even at that moment, you're doing greater works. You're a witness of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Um, and see the significance of that. Look at with me one last verse, and I'll be done. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Here's kind of the focus. Colossians 4, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it 
with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I've also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak, and con- conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. What do you see in that passage? Prayer, conduct. Devotion to prayer, conduct. And using the prayer and the conduct as an opportunity to outsiders. People outside yourself who don't know Christ. Paul says, pray that Paul says, I'm a witness. I'm in prison. I don't get to see a lot of people in prison, but I have a sphere of influence. I have prisoners who see me, and I can, they let me send out letters. So pray for me that I get a door to, to be who I am. I am a witness. I can witness these prisoners. I can witness through letters. Pray that God uses my witness. And pray that God uses your witness. Be devoted to that prayer. That God will open a door. That you have an opportunity. And you're going to have that opportunity if you conduct yourself rightly. Because they're going to see your behavior has changed. And they don't want to hear the words of a hypocrite. They want to see someone the society is hungry to see someone whose life is together. And they don't want you to fix them. Witnessing is not fixing somebody. I'm not here. I've, I've told people, as I've shared the good news, listen, you get this all wrong. I'm not here to fix you. I'm not here to convert you. I'm not here to save you. That's something God does. I'm just being a witness. Lighten up. My life has been changed. You can't deny it. You've seen it. You've heard about it. You can't argue with it. I'm different. If God's working on you and wants to change you, well, well, my advice is to repent and to pray. Be baptized. But it's, it's, it's not any more complicated than that. So, that friend list is yours. I'm not asking you to, to report it or do anything with it. But take the time, write it down, your friends, your top five or your top ten, whatever God puts on your heart. Put it in your Bible, maybe. Put it somewhere where you can be devoted to prayer. Pray through these people on a regular basis, and your prayer is, God, open the door. Open the door. Let them see me, because I am a witness. Let them see how my behavior is changed. Now, if you don't believe in the Ten Commandments, you're not going to be a witness. You're going to have to let somebody else do it because you're not God's witness. Your conduct's not any different. You've not been radically changed. But if you're praying, God, change me. Holy Spirit, fill me. I don't want to quench you. I don't want to grieve you. I want to obey. I want to keep God's Word. And I'm praying that that so so easily be seen that people will say, you know, what gives? And I get to share with them. 
that I've been changed by God. I just, I just so love him, I keep his commandments. I love the fact that he redeemed me. He, he's my propitiation. He took the wrath of God for me. I don't have to go to hell. That is such good news. I don't mind sharing if you want to hear about it. And our witness becomes effective. And people fall in love with Christ because Christ loves them. If you want, now one other thing you could do with that list, besides pray and keep focusing yourself on your behavior, you can share that list with other believers. If you want to share that list with me and say, David, I don't want to just pray for this list. I want you to pray for it. We'd be glad to. As a matter of fact, all the elders and deacons take a prayer, prayer and planning retreat every year. It's three weeks from now. Um, and we pray for every member of the church and every regular visitor because we've got your name somewhere. If you want us, as we pray for you, if you want us to pray for your friends... We would be glad to. We've done this before, and we've had testimony after testimony of people who finally, sometimes they come and join the church, and somebody will write us a note. That was one of my friends. Remember you asked me to pray for them 10 years ago? I've been praying for them. They just joined the church. Is that not cool? Yeah, it's awesome. I forgot they were one of your friends. But that devotion to prayer, that witness was seen in people's lives have changed. Email me, email any of the officers. We'd be glad to uh, pray for your friends in three weeks when we pray for you. Um, God works. His plan, His program is that we are His witnesses. Don't lose your vision. Don't lose your mission. You are an instrument of God for your sphere of influence. You are a witness, and you have power from on high just for that task. Now, as we switch gears for the Lord's Supper, it's really not a switch of gears, I guess, because I've, how many times have I said this, that as you take the Lord's Supper, you proclaim Him. Communion meal, this time, is a witness. The only people who should be taking communion in any church are those who proclaim he is mine i am his just as the bread and wine come into me christ has come into me he's nourished me he's changed me he's made me alive together with god so communion is a witness people should be here that are not christians they should look around and say oh i saw you took the bread and the wine tell me about that oh we'd like to i'm a witness I took it because Christ died for me. And I, every week I want to start the week, first day of the week, thanking Him that I am redeemed. That if I die this week, I'm His. He's mine. I'm with Him always. He nurtures me always. So this is a time of thanks, a time of communion, a time to proclaim Him. And for those who are not Christians in the room, they get to see the witness. Um, and can ask you. Okay, I've been observing you week after week. It seems to be real. They don't have to ask the preacher. They can ask any that are witnesses to proclaim him. The text is 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 32. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, 
which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that he will not be condemned so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So we need to examine ourselves. Are we devoted to prayer? Are we devoted to God's commands? Are we serious about righteousness or are we playing with God? If we're playing with God, we don't judge ourselves rightly. And we're condemned along with the world. But if we judge, say, yeah, the Lord's changed me. And I love this time to pray. And I love this time to to repent of sins that broken commands and to get right and keep those commands. And God says, if you love that, then this is for you. But if you somehow just think this is religious play, you'll be judged along with the world for playing with God. He says, this is very serious to God. His witness is very serious to Him. This is a great work. So, so see, this morning, you get to start afresh as a witness, when you pick up that bread, when you pick up that cup, you proclaim him, that he is your Savior, he is your Lord. Thank him for that, and enjoy this time of being his, his witnesses. I'm going to ask the elders and deacons to come forward as I pray, and God to bless this time. Father, take us into this special communion with Christ our Redeemer. Let us eat of the bread and drink of the cup, proclaiming Christ as ours, and He is ours. We are His because He loved us. He still loves us. He keeps us and has filled us with Your Spirit. Remove sin from us. Cleanse us. Every broken commandment. Forgive us. And let us begin anew to walk a new life as Your witnesses starting now. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse everyone. And devote us to prayer and obedience before you. For we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.